0: Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com Elite. Turn this blood, sweat, and tears pour
1: With a little bit of green and You can find me, smoke right by me Two lanes and a finish line That groove is just cover the soul I was falling to it, I was free Wild Willie Fuel has partnered with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to offer you, the racer, 20% off when you use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, at checkout. Now, Wild Willie Fuel is the industry-leading manufacturer of professional fuel scent and top loop. They have over 60 unique fuel scents. Wild Willie has just the products you need To set yourself apart from the competition. Everybody wants that good smell. They got from the industry's number one selling scent, (laughs) Ex-Girlfriend. How cool is that? To the brand new fragrance, Fruit Loops. Love me some Fruit Loops. You are sure to find something that fits your personality. Over 60 unique scents. Surely you'll find something in there. Now, Wild Willie fuel fragrances can be used in race gas, methanol, ethanol, diesel, or pump gas. You can put it in all different kinds of fuels. they their sensor compatible with carburetors, fuel injectors, O2 sensors, and catalytic converters. So stop by and check them out at www.wildwillyfuel.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, to save 20% today.
0: BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. So within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, uh, Justin Lamb and or myself hold these routine calls. We call them the, the Monday evening quarterback, um, basically recapping uh, the previous week's performance from any of our members that want to talk about their on-track pursuits. And the goal of this is to be instructive, right? You, you come on the call and you talk about your weekend. And as a group we look into, okay, like what could we have done better? What can we learn from this so that we can be a little bit better next time? Rarely are they just, you know, these love fests of, Hey, I won, I won, I won. Well, I hosted one a couple of weeks ago. That was, I mean, seemingly everyone that got on the call said, Hey, I won last weekend, or I had, you know, my best performance of the season, or in some cases, the best performance of my life, and by and large, like, every member that shared not only pinpointed an area of their racing that Elite had helped them with, or helped them through, but they credited This Is Bracket Racing Elite, at least to some extent, for their success, and it was just this, I mean, just being completely... uh, you know, honest from a very personal standpoint. Like it was so fulfilling to me because I think we all get into to, to ruts in our job or in our career where we ask ourselves like, and is what I'm doing making a difference? And, and what we do, let's look at it from a, a larger standpoint. Like we're, we're not solving the problems of the world. We're helping racers that want to become better racers uh, hopefully do just that. But I'm just telling you every now and then, Something like that comes along and you realize that, you know, in this small space, we're actually making a a pretty significant impact for people that are as passionate about what they do as I am, as Justin is, as you probably are as well. So I, I guess my point in saying this is that If you're a racer, and if you're watching this or listening to this, uh, I I don't know why you wouldn't be a racer, I would suspect that you are. If you're a racer and you want to become a better racer, isn't that ultimately what we all want? I don't care what type of racing you do or how much success or lack thereof you've had in your future, I'm confident that we can help you take that next step that's what this is bracket racing elite is that's what we do and we have opened the doors for enrollment they close soon we actually close the doors uh, friday night june 11th at midnight central standard time but again i can't encourage you enough Um, i think that we can help you and and if you are needing that push that accountability that guidance whatever the case may be i think we can help you give us a shot This is
1: bracketracing.com slash Elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new... You'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it.
0: Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss the strip teaser and the Saturday Night Hooker. I'm solo this week. No, Jed, we will be back uh, in unison next week. I've got two awesome um, interviews, two great guests for you today. The first... Uh, let me, uh, admittedly, both of these guests, to some extent, very self-serving, right? This is uh, this is very much Luke's episode of the podcast. My first guest is Rock Haas. Now, you're probably familiar with Rock uh, for his exploits on the racetrack. He's been a very successful NHRA super comp and super gas competitor for years, decades. Um, national event winner, multi-time Jags All-Star, multi-time top ten finisher. Like, you name it, Rock's done it, right? Right. Um, but the reason that I wanted to have him on is my wife and I went to an event last weekend that Rock promoted. He called it the Rockin Superclass Shootout. It was up at the Mid Michigan Motorplex, and it was a it was a standalone 890 990 event for decent money. Not a huge car count. Uh, they had uh, 25 30 cars in each class, um, but it was a rare opportunity to race for decent money outside of the NHRA structure in the superclasses and it was a blast and you probably know um if you've listened to the podcast in the past how much i personally enjoy that form of racing Uh, not to be a a bah humbug or a scrooge like i like eighth mile bracket racing too but uh, again this is feels like the old man get off my lawn like eighth mile bracket racing is turning more and more into a it's going to be my sub 10 package against your sub 10 package everybody's car can go dead on and while that's obviously really competitive and at times really fun like it's just um i don't know i feel like a lot of the strategy the creativity that i grew up on um that i really that made me fall in love with the sport is slowly disappearing from that format of racing and it's all there when you go 90 racing like it's quarter mile the runs are more spread out it's a fixed index so you bring the throttle stop into play and it's it's harder to get dialed the vast majority of the field doesn't really know what they can go and then there's the mental aspect that goes into making runs for eight twelve twenty four plus hours apart and i know that if you've never done it, you're like, that doesn't sound like fun. I want to go racing. It's actually a really unique challenge that I really enjoy. Like, there's a lot of stuff about 90 racing that I love. Um, I don't always love all of the the stuff that goes along with NHRA competition. But once you put the helmet on, like, I think that style of racing is way more fun. So I jumped at the opportunity to compete in races of that nature whether they're within or, or beyond the structure and the, the housing of NHRA and this event was awesome like it was a ton of fun I hope that it uh, you can hear my, my two-year-old in the background uh, but I hope that that comes across in this interview with Rob after that Got Ashley Thompson on. Longtime listeners will be familiar with Ashley. Um, she is part of our team here in house at ThisIsBracketRacing.com, and she is the brainchild behind and completely heads up our ThisIsBracketRacing.com driver series. So we're going to talk about the driver series. We actually have a huge announcement. We've added to the purse like significantly, um, both internally and with the help of our friends at Jegs Performance. So that's the big announcement. We're actually adding ten. $1000 to the season end points fund. Yeah. Like it was awesome to begin with. We were offering we were guaranteeing $10,000 to win in each class. Your support has been so incredible that we are adding another 10 grand between top bulb and bottom bulb. So stay tuned for Ashley and the details on that. Before I get into those two discussions, I wanted to briefly touch on the big events and there were three that stuck out to me from last week. Again, without Jed this week, I'll kind of breeze through these relatively quickly the first the sfg 350 cedar falls iowa um the story from there and you probably don't need me to tell you gage birch and matt datis man like that team is incredible let's start with gage so he won the opening 25 grander the thursday event in the datis truck the same ranger that he won the uh, sfg 500 with a couple of years ago and in the process of that, like that race actually got down to a few cars and then got held back until after the 50 Grander, um, which was test- the first 50 Grander, which was contested on Friday. So Gage was still entered, obviously, in the twenty-five grander that he would go on to win. Meanwhile, he mows through the fifty-thousand-dollar-to-win event, has two entries in at six cars in the fifty, where he proceeds to lose both entries, one to his car owner and friend Matt Datus. Datus goes on to win that fifty grander, and then later that night, Birch comes back to finish the job and win the twenty-five grander. All the money goes back home in one trailer, and it's. Incredible, like, first off, how about Matt Daddis and his record at Cedar Falls? By the way, he beats Johnny Ezel, Johnny Brackett Racer, in the final round. Matt, I believe, has made two trips to Cedar Falls. It's this event last season and this season. A year ago, he was in two $50,000 finals, split the results, won one, lost one. This year, he wins another fifty. Um, So, in two trips to Cedar Falls, been in three $50,000 finals, has won two of them. Pretty freaking impressive, and Birch. I told you the incredible run that he went on. I don't know how many consecutive win lights, but that had to be uh, pretty ridiculous, right? Still being in the Thursday race and then double entered in the Friday race, um, down to six cars, and then to come back after that because I know I've been there. Um, it's quite the kick in the gut to be double entered that late that late in a race of that magnitude and drop them both again. Been there he was able to recover from that really quickly and finish the job i think they were down to the semis and the 25 grander at that point he comes back not only does he win that 25 grander he lays down nine thou total in the semis double oh five dead four to defeat brian folk and then comes right back around and makes the identical run in the final five dead four to be nine total to um to win that race and in doing so, like that final round, his opponent was 11 total. It was Daryl Gear that runnered up. Take 11 total in a $25,000 final. Like I'd take that. Uh, Gage Birch sent him home with runner up. So kudos to Gage. Kudos to Matt. Uh, no surprise certainly, but every time that they do this, it just is more and more impressive. Um, the other winner from Cedar Falls was one Jerry McGraw. Drove his dragster to the final $50,000 victory over Lou Roush. I thought it was notable in that event, too. The semifinalist was Tom Clemmie. Tom Clemmie's on a motorcycle. He's, a, he's one of the most um, illustrious, decorated uh, motorcycle racers in history. But to see a motorcycle... At, at SFG events, they have, I think, since day one allowed the bikes to compete against the cars, and occasionally you see a motorcycle go deep. In fact, at the $500,000 win event in Bradenton earlier this year, they had a bike down to nine cars, something like that, and that got my attention at the time. Clemmy almost put it in the final. He actually made a really good lap alongside Lou Roush in the semis, but got turned away, and I thought this was intriguing because what I've always been told never never bracket raced a motorcycle. I don't think that I've got the guts to do it, to be completely honest, even if it was bikes against bikes. Um, but I, my understanding is that bikes are considerably more affordable than cars, right? Easier to, to go out and be competitive. And ultimately, like that's what bracket racing is all about. And then we go back, Jed and I have talked about this for uh, the better part of uh, a, a decade, the Idea that I think we we could track back to Peter Biondo and Kyle Seipel to run door cars and dragsters separate. Like that had never been done prior to the first fling, right? 10, 11 years ago. And now it's become commonplace. And what it's done is it's brought back so many door cars that were essentially put out to pasture or that certainly didn't compete at the biggest events across the country. And it brought them all back because now we feel like door cars have. Uh, an opportunity to win those events. And and in some cases, you could even argue, have the advantage. Check out Matt Titus and Gage Birch, right? Could it be that races like this, particularly when racers like Tom Clemmie have success, that it has a similar effect on motorcycle racers? Like, hey, we can do this. We can compete with the dragsters. We can compete with the door cars. Um, Let's go out and run these events, which ultimately mean... Uh, greater participation across the board and perhaps tapping into a a market that's really never been touched on in big dollar bracket racing um my my other impression of motorcycle racing other than you know it's a little bit more affordable than comparable big cars is that they're also more difficult to win on like I, i don't see bikes being quite as consistent as cars although I, I think we were at the Dallas division race earlier um, this season. I was watching Sportsman Motorcycle in Division 4. Like, that is no joke. Like Those guys were double-O, fast, bikes seemed pretty good. Like, I may not be giving enough credence to just how competitive you could be on a bike. And obviously, you get racers like Tom Clemmie, like uh, Chad Isley, like Roy Hagedorn, and so many more um, that, you know, I think could certainly compete at that level. The other side of this argument... And I'm, I'm interested in your input here because maybe this is just the old man get off my lawn coming out in me. Like, I don't, from a competition aspect, I don't care one bit if you're on, in a door car, a dragster, on a motorcycle, in a wheelbarrow in the other lane, right? Like, we have, we've got the same goal. I have always personally felt a little bit uncomfortable from a safety standpoint in my four-wheel vehicle racing against a motorcycle, just because, like we all know, and again, if I'm if I'm off base in this, please let me know because I could very well be. I've never been the guy on the motorcycle, but we all know that there's inherent, you know, danger that comes along with our sport, and there's nothing that scares me more than getting tangled up with my opponent at some point on the racetrack, right? That that doesn't end well, um, but I would have to think like it would end significantly worse if that opponent is on two wheels. Like, I'm scared to death of running someone over to begin with, but if that someone is sitting on a motorcycle versus being strapped into and surrounded by the roll cage of a full-blown race car, like, I don't... I just feel like the recipe is there for disaster, and it makes me uncomfortable. Like I say, perhaps that's not the right way to look at it. Perhaps I'm wrong in thinking that. Um, But I've always had... A little bit of um, uh, trepidation about those rounds and those runs. So curious to hear your thoughts. Like, should the motorcycles be um, combined with the cars? Like, from a competition standpoint, it's awesome. From a safety standpoint, eh, I'm not. I'm not so sure. Um, the other big event from the weekend was the uh, the Derby City event at Louisville, where Shanna Stone won the $50,000 main event. I think it's safe to say that Shanna more recognized for her top dragster success and more recently uh, in Supercom. But she and her husband, Troy, have made uh, a conscious effort. I don't want to say a transition, but certainly a conscious effort toward more big-dollar eighth-mile bracket racing recently. Uh, If you watch the big-dollar events with, uh, with the propensity... Uh, You'll probably remember that Shanna was deep in last year's OG Million at Montgomery. I believe she lost to Kevin Brannan, I believe, in maybe the quarterfinal round. It it was the round prior to the mess, and I think the mess happened at six cars. So the round prior to that, Shanna was deep in the race, made it to the split. She knocks down her biggest um, victory, certainly her um, most lucrative victory to date in that $50,000 main event, gets the win over Dylan Winters in the final round. Side note, um, Jeff Ledford, who was last year's winner of the, f- the $50,000 main event, he was a semifinalist, as was Mikey Bloomfield. So I think it's safe to say all four of those semifinalists, very recognizable names. The other uh, winner, that's the last race of that weekend, was rained out. The other winner uh, was Garrett Griffith, a former Main event winner. He actually won that race the first year that they had it when it was $100,000 to win. He took home the opening $10,000 victory over Rob Cropfield. One note that stood out to me from Louisville, from the Derby City event 1,700 spectators. Yeah, 1,700 fans. I know they had a fireworks show, they had some wheelie contests, they had some special fan stuff. I just want to say like, kudos to the promoters. That's Tyler Bohannon and and Brian Whitworth. I have said for years, and I'll stand by, that this is a bit of an untapped opportunity in our form of racing um, to get legitimate fans in the stands. It's good for everyone to have fans in the stands. Obviously, putting butts in the seats to the tune of 1,700, that's a lot of people to watch a bracket race, folks. Um, It creates more revenue for tracks it creates more revenue for promoters and you could say like i don't really care if the promoter gets rich i don't care if my my track makes a bunch of money but ultimately that income that revenue that filters down to us as racers one way or another right the track makes more money almost inevitably they invest more money into more resources for us better facilities for us to enjoy promoters as promoters begin to make more money because the problem, as I've stated before, with um, the typical big dollar bracket race structure is that not only is the purse, but also the profit generated strictly from the the competition, entry fees and buybacks. When you can have something to supplement that, what that allows the promoters to do is to put more of that entry money more of that buyback money into the purse and generate their profit from other areas like spectator revenue it's good for all of us plus as a side note like in our in our most honest moments i think most of us would admit it's more fun to race in front of a crowd of people like it's just that adds an element that is Cool, right? And so I just I don't see any downside to this. I'm gonna say uh, again, kudos to to Brian and Tyler for making that happen on a pretty significant level. I mean, 1,700 race 1,700 fans for uh, a big dollar bracket race is I don't know if it's unheard of, but it's rare. It's really rare. Um, the other event from the weekend on the bracket scene. Uh, King of the Creek up at Maryland International Raceway. Uh, The only reason that this really got on my radar was for the result. How about Alex Bradford? Alex Bradford won the opening 10 grander and then the first $25,000 main event back to back. And as it turns out, the bulk of both events was run on the same day. I believe that I read uh, on Drag Champ, Chats to Drag Champ, that Alex put together 19 consecutive round wins. And you know how difficult that is. I don't care what the competition is, but particularly at a race of that magnitude. Impressive stuff from Alex Bradford. Um, That's it. That's all I've got to lead off the show. Um, That was the, the main... Uh, events from the week that was We're, we just finished a rare two week long lull on the NHRA schedule uh, that doesn't happen very often it's back in force this weekend we've got a national event in Epping as well as divisional events in Tulsa and Seattle so NHRA really spreads its wings across the country um, that's all I've got for the intro like I say uh, stay tuned for Rock Hoss. Stay tuned for Ashley Thompson and some insight on the this is bracket Racing.com driver series. But first, uh, I've got a, I've got a little bit of information about this is bracket Racing Elite. This is the last day of open enrollment if you're listening to this on Friday. So if you're interested, if you're intrigued, check it out. this is slash elite. And uh, before we get to that, I don't know, today's today's uh, today's show is, is 90 race theme, like that's an NHRA thing. Let, let's, let's kick this thing off with some Steve Evans.
1: All across North America, sportsman drivers buy for not only divisional wins and championship points. Now here you're gonna see that tortoise and hare style of drag racing, as it's the
2: handicaps that make it all work, where you can combine literally dozens and dozens of classes of cars into one eliminator.
0: Now we're gonna get our first look at the sportsman ranks. All right, you know him as a longtime successful Super Comp, Super Gas competitor, um, national event winner, multi-time top-ten finisher, multi-time JEGS All-Stars, um, still at it, still very much a threat, but I think, Brock you will tell us that the priorities have begun to shift a little bit. I don't think we're quite there yet, but it won't be long where you're probably best known for being Elena's dad, right, at the racetrack. I sure hope so. <laughs> and perhaps... Um, becoming a bit more known as a as a race promoter, which is our, the main reason that we've got you on today.
2: You know, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I can do it. Sure. My problem is, I and I could probably do it well, but I don't know if I want to because I want to race a little bit too. Now this deal happened. You know, we had all this time off. I did go to Charlotte. It was a nightmare weekend for me, but a great weekend for my daughter. Um, so that made it okay. Um, but we had all this time off and I looked at the schedule and I said, we really need to do something. You know, we need to do something during that time. I said, well, let me see if I can want a race or, or run a race. You know, let me see if I can put something together. Worst case, it's 15, 20 cars, my buddies, you know, I can pull that off without even hardly making a phone call. So, uh, cause I already did it once anyway. Um, I didn't really think that race promoter was like in my, in my G, uh, DNA, but uh, maybe it is, I don't know. But um, so we decided to put this deal together and I talked to a couple people about throwing some money in because I figured I had to pay some money out if I wanted somebody to come and, uh, you know, and, and that was like a joke. I could have probably doubled it easily if with a couple of phone calls, everybody I asked was in for more than what I asked. I mean, people are just all over You know, in the Detroit area, you have so many resources, you know, Corrigan Race Fuels, it's the biggest, you know, Sunoco dealer, you know, in this side of whatever. They own the whole city. Um, You know, uh, Steve Bueller, a great supporter, uh, he he helped out a ton. Leo Zenda with the Ring Opinion Shop, he helped out. My buddy Pat DeBaz, uh with his asphalt company helped out. I mean, and that was enough to make it happen. The rest of it was, uh you know, entry fee type stuff. But, I mean, had I worked at it a little bit, I mean, I mean... You know, we really should have 5,000 to win. And I think the shootout needs to be 1,500 because we had a lot of fun with the shootout. The shootout was a riot. And Mm -hmm. what I screwed up on, I should have put on the flyer or somewhere that they could test if they didn't get in the shootout. And a lot of guys didn't know that because you could have made five runs on Friday night with a good track. You know, the other thing, too, is the Mid-Michigan Motorplex. Mike Ledford, you know, you know Mike like I know Mike. I mean, talk about accommodating. You know, he's all for it. Yeah, you know, I mean, awesome. he's he's going to do anything I want. I mean, let's say spray PJ one. I mean, which is a good thing, and <laughs> <laughs> in my mind. Um, I, you know, I know if somebody gets loose or whatever, he's going to go out there and fix it. I mean, I they paved the return road, which was very bumpy, and now that's fixed. I mean, I I can't. There, he's anytime I ask him to do something, he's all over it.
0: Yeah, no, but they're, they're awesome up there. And, like, you may not fancy yourself as much of a promoter. And I have the, the same kind of inner conflict. Like, uh, there's a little race that we've put on for, shoot, a, a little over a decade now. And I actually would like to think I'm pretty good as a promoter, but yeah. it's a lot of work, A. Eh? And yeah. it's, um, you know, like, I'm just like you. I want to race, right? I do think that you have, whether intentionally or not, stumbled into what I think is an intriguing market in terms of the, because the race that you put on, just for our listeners who may not be uh, particularly well aware, it was basically a a super comp, super gas event, uh, had had separate classes for 890 and 990, a quarter mile, just like we're used to. but, you know, obviously uh, separated from typical NHRA competition and for a pretty significant purse, you know, $2,500 to win in each class, not huge, but to your point, I think there's market for more. You see um, races like um, Bo Butner and Jason Line, and they finally put on for the Scott shot crowd. Similarly, uh, Tyler Bohannon and, and Brian Whitworth did something similar at Gateway. Those both seem to be relatively well perceived, well-received, well I should say. And then for the top sportsman, top dragster crowd, we know that there's a lot of options, you know, whether it's BDRA or local associations, things like that, within specifically the superclasses, 899, 90, 1090, there have always been regional associations that have their kind of cult following, but never for a, a, a significant purse. I personally, like part of the reason that, that we came, and I, I think I want to say you um, may not Fancy yourself as a promoter. You're pretty freaking good at it. I'll give a tip <laughs> of the hat there. We really enjoyed our time up at uh, up at. If Vibes. I would have,
2: if I would have worked at it, it would have been good. No, I didn't did. work at it hard enough. I, I, uh, I, I don't know whether I guess I just didn't anticipate uh, what I was getting into. I guess, but um, I, I'll do a lot better. I'm going to do it again. I am going to run one next year when I look at the schedule. See when the break is. I'll run another one, and it'll pay more, and it'll be marketed better. And it'll have, you know, more prizes and, and all that kind of
0: stuff. <laughs> no, like you said, I think part of the reason it's such an easy sell is there's so many within the industry that see the potential here. You know, um, to to back to that point, Rock. Like as a longtime racer, I mean, really, I know you said you kind of done this on a on a small level at one point last season, but now looking back, like what if there's one thing you can select? Because I tell every racer particularly when I'm promoting an event. I tell every racer that comes to me to complain that they really need to, we need to switch roles once just so you can have a better understanding. Absolutely. What is the one thing that stands out to you now having promoted this event that you could have never imagined after what, you know, 30 plus years of competing in similar well, events? The preparation. Yeah. The clerical work preparation
2: to make it, good for everybody is that that's where the works at i'm gonna get, i'll get some help on that next time my wife uh who uh, is retired but is very good at that kind of stuff like she's over the top as far as preparation but she's uh <laughs> she's kind of a political activist and she was very busy um so uh she couldn't really help me at all and uh you know she would have done a better job with the plaques with the you know the certificate of awards and and, and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really have it organized to take a picture with every, you know, everything that happened to post it. And uh, did you see, I mean, you know, you're used to millions of comments on your stuff, but I mean, I don't know, what did I get? A couple hundred comments on that stuff? <laughs> a lot of comments. <laughs> and I think that, you know, the, the the National Open in Neuroville, Iowa, probably didn't help you any. Probably could have got some of the guys there uh, that would have come up. I, I know I would have. Um, and in fact, you know, like Carl Root sent up a, hundred, a crisp 100 to give away to the first 900 guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, they, the Tenudas would have come. I mean, maybe a couple of the other guys would have come uh, and maybe it would have been a 510 cars. Uh, but I don't know what my goal is as far as how big I want it to be because it was very relaxing. It was fun. I could talk to everybody. We had a nice barbecue afterwards. I mean, you know, if it was 100 cars per class uh, for 10000 you know, I don't know if I would be able to do that. And I didn't really have any trauma. My my daughter's the only one that caused trauma by going in the sand. <laughs> yeah, wait till your boy goes in the sand, you know, <laughs> especially when I was standing down there. Anyway, right. uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so there was no trauma. Nobody oiled the track. No, there was no, you know, we had a couple drops, but I mean, really no rain. I mean, everything went.
0: You know, it couldn't have gone any smoother. Sure. No, and to to that point, I mean, like I said, my wife and I were were there uh, competing, and I I think I can say without reservation, like it's the most fun event that we've attended in twenty twenty one. Like, and we've had fun everywhere we've been, but I just right. I really enjoyed the atmosphere. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I was thrilled that you came. It, it, I don't want to say it brought legitimate legitimacy to the race, but it, it certainly helped. And uh and this kind of thing here helps. But uh, the other thing was too that I thought that was pretty interesting, pretty tough group. I mean, the runs for nobody half those guys never run this year yet. I mean, the shootout was good, the racing was good. I mean, it was it was pretty tough. I mean, I I enjoyed
0: it. Mike uh Ledford that you mentioned earlier, obviously a longtime racer and a and a connoisseur of the sport of sorts, right? Sure. Like he actually pulled me aside pretty early on Friday and was like, I gotta hand it to these. These superclass guys, this is pretty impressive. I think you'd said that the the bump for the, the super comp field was like ninety-two something, but the top seven were ninety-one zero or better. And that was in right. two runs. And to your point, many of them had never been down that racetrack before and, and several hadn't been on the track this season, period. Like it, it is, it's it's pretty impressive what that group can do with a fixed index, quarter mile. Like there's a lot of variables in that type of racing. Uh, no doubt about it, along with the
2: fifty mile an hour headwind. I mean, it was you know it wasn't an easy dial, but uh, you know I'm I'm like I said I'm pretty thrilled the way the thing went. I would have liked to maybe had ten more cars, uh, but other than that, uh, you know it was pretty good. What
0: do you feel like? And and perhaps you had this uh, opinion coming in, and, and if it's if it's changed at all uh, after having held your event, like do you feel like there is a significant market for? events of this nature going forward and and or could you see uh, a market to further increase the first As you already said you're going to do it again next year and, and double the first right
2: yeah i i don't know uh, i don't know if i can double it but i can help it <laughs> but uh certainly uh there's a market for it now it would have to be a series in order to take over from what i'm doing because we like to run for points you know we like to run now, we had the Great Lakes Pro Tree Association uh, for the last couple of years, and, uh, you know, it needed to be marketed better, marketed better and had more uh, stuff, you know, more perks. And and I'm trying not to say anything, I'm not going to say anything negative about the guy that ran it, uh, but uh, he, he did a good job, but he needed to be uh, a little bit more of a promoter. And to bring a following in, and then you've got to also be concerned with being a racer. You've got to be concerned with the schedule. You can't, I can't run three in a row. Three in a row just kills me. And so you got to look at that, and you got to make sure your the schedule is set properly. And and I'll look at that for our race next year. And uh, you know we got to check with the track, and you know make sure we can get in. And the other thing too is you say, oh, if it was at Norwalk. Uh, you know, you'd have more cars. Well, yeah, but the problem is they'd have three hundred cars there too, and it would never. It's not possible to run that smoothly. Right. I mean, we ran so smoothly. We finished early. We
0: barbecued. We talked till eleven thirty, and you know. I <laughs> mean, no, it was a it was a great setup in terms of you had not only did you have other cars at the track for downtime, but you didn't like your event accompanied a a three-day bracket race at the Michigan Motorplex. And so it's not as if you had to to front the brunt of track rental for a single standalone event, you know what I mean, which allowed you to add the purse, you know? I mean, there's, there's give and take there all the way around, but I felt like the way that that fell, the setup couldn't have been more perfect.
2: It couldn't have been more perfect. I mean, just the way the schedule went... You know i mean uh, it was perfect and then you know uh it, it also don't you know it allowed me to park right in front the sponsors parked across the front i mean it was just i mean it couldn't have been any more perfect
0: i think i know the way that you're going to answer this just in in terms of uh of the discussion to this point but you you mentioned that you see opportunity for more and perhaps bigger events of this nature, whether they're, you know, raw cost promotions or, or, or someone else putting on the races, um, do you view races like this as an alternative, like a competition to NHRA or more as a supplement to NHRA? Because typically when you talk about 890 and 990 racing, the bulk of us that do it are doing it at the NHRA division or national limit level.
2: Well, you know, uh, just like you, I like to compete in the big pond. And at this point, that's the, you know, that's the ultimate series to win it. So, you know, I would say it's a supplement at this point, but if somebody came up with a series, man, you know, if it was backed properly and thought out and somebody got serious, uh, you know, like Rob Keister in division one, I mean, he's got a great series over there, but again, uh, you know, one guy can probably only do so much and, You know what I mean? It's got to go a level or two up to make it a little bigger. Uh, But maybe he doesn't want it any bigger, you know what I mean? But, uh, which I couldn't blame him. (laughs) It's probably a ton, ton of work for him. Um, But I think, you know, right now it's a supplement to the NHRA series. But, you know, I don't want to race every weekend, but I want to race every other week. You know what I mean? (laughs) Even at 61, uh, almost 62, I still want to race – you know, a couple of times a month.
0: Yeah, no, same. That that's, that seems like a, a good uh, schedule for us at this point in life, too. It's um, no, it's interesting because I, I do. We've talked about this before, Rob, right? but I there are things there are things that I love about NHR competition. There are things that I could do without, right? right? But what I what I don't really think I'll ever grow tired of is the format of the ninety categories. Like I just I like every challenge that comes along with it like like I, I say this all the time like I don't necessarily like all of the stuff that goes along with the racing in comparison to say bracket racing but once you put the helmet on the the 90 stuff is way really more fun right it's quarter mile it's it's a fixed index so there's more variables like i I really enjoy the challenge of trying to to dial the car and get mentally prepared on runs that are 12, even 24 hours apart. I know that sounds crazy to some of the bracket racers, but i there's a unique challenge that I enjoy. I mean, like, you're, I, you're spot on with that. Yeah. I, I I love that style of competition. And if there are more opportunities to do it at a high level, you know, whether it's included in NHRA or not, like I would jump at that opportunity. That's why we came up there. I wanted to support events like this. And I know that you've kind of got the same feeling.
2: I absolutely have the same thing but in your perspective if that thing paid 7500 to win and maybe 2000 to win on Friday night
0: what would have happened in terms of attendance um it's an interesting question my my first instinct is to say that it would have skyrocketed skyrocketed significantly but i don't know because that, like, you know, as well as I do, our Supercast super crowd is, is wired a little bit differently. Like, I don't think it's necessarily about the money. It's more about right. the fun and the fellowship. And, and kind of to your point earlier, if you had 100 cars, would it be as much fun? And, and I don't know if that turns anyone off necessarily, maybe not the first time. But I guarantee you, you had 25, 30 cars in each class, like, they're all coming back. Like, it was that much fun. And I don't know if you could duplicate that if it was a bigger event. I,
2: I kind of agree with you. I think uh, my goal is to uh, increase the purse a little bit. Uh, have the same crowd back and maybe ten more, and that would be a nice step for the next year. And uh, like I said, I'll I'll start earlier, and I'll uh, I'll do a little bit better job on the uh, on the fringe stuff, uh, the, the clerical stuff, and um, you know, and I won't be so uh, worried about everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if the worry subsides like that. We- We've been putting on a race for a lot of years. It's, it's It changes a little bit every year, but there's always something else that seems <laughs> like that's going to get your attention. <clears throat> I'm curious. I wanted to, I, I didn't put this in our, in our notes at all, but I wanted to throw this by, I was brainstorming. And again, I don't, I like every direction that you've gone with what you're doing. I was brainstorming um, really back over the winter about putting on uh, a big event, kind of combining what we see in, big dollar bracket racing with, again, like the, the need or the want that I have to see more options for 90 racing, how much I love that style of competition. And I was struggling with a purse structure to, to make it big enough to get everyone's attention because as you know, you're a little bit limited in terms of, and I was thinking about putting it into something big, big, right. And ultimately I came to the conclusion that I would, I would love to go to a race like this, but I don't want to promote it. Right.
3: Right.
0: So I'm putting this out there to the public in hopes that someone latches onto it. Like, oh, that's a good idea! I should promote that. Then I can come race at it. You can come race at it, right? So I was thinking about making it, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars to win, something like that, enough to really get everybody's attention and and be like legitimately double the purse that we could race for anywhere else in in that form of competition. The issue that I ran into is I feel like there's no good way to Try to combine super common super gas. Like, I feel like you have to have two separate categories, and then within that, you're limited obviously on car count. Like, I don't know that you could, even if you guaranteed a massive purse, like, I don't know that you could depend on much more than like 100 cars coming in each class, and then that makes it difficult to make the numbers add up.
2: Well, so shockingly, they don't care
0: what's that they care about the windmill. No, I know, I think I think you're actually <laughs> on to something there, and that's probably the, the ultimate answer. I I had a a fleeting thought that I wanted to run by you because in my mind, it's more of my bracket race mentality. This would work. I don't know if it would ever fly with the super fast racers. What if you tried to combine super combat, super gas, but ran them separately, like say dragsters and door cars separately until the final or something like the, the dollar bracket races do, but on a common index of like 940, where you met in the middle. And then the finalists could run off for the money is that do you think that like in my mind that makes sense but i don't know how fixated we are on the 890 and 990 indexes and how much of a turnoff that would be to those racers well
2: it's intriguing i I don't think that thoughts ever went in my head but what i like about it is both cars would have to change right you can't make it easy for one and hard for the other both cars would have to change and you'd have to go in there and calculate that and and that is part of the fun uh, yeah, we do. You know the challenge of setting that number. You know, I I obviously have a really smart guy that helps me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be as close. <laughs> Two thousand one. <laughs> but um, it, it it's really intriguing, and I and I mean, now that I think about it, if you did do something like that, I would be there, and uh, we would want to promote that issue. So I mean, make yeah. it a, make it a highlight, and yeah.
0: It's kind of it's like hard for
2: both uh, classes to meet in the
0: middle. Similar in some regards to what Peter and Kyle did starting out with the thousand-foot compromise. You know, the idea was I'm gonna bring in quarter mile racers and eight mile racers into one. And mm. that that added car counter that allowed me to supplement the first. Like I don't I don't know. I feel like it would take some real groundwork to get the perception up, that like they were not actually gonna run at 90 and 990, but that was the only thing that I could come up with as a way to kind of combine the two. The disadvantage obviously is that. I feel like we all feel like the super comp index, really both indexes could be monumentally faster at this point, right? And then on the flip side of that is you would eliminate a handful of your super gas cars that can't go 940, my Vega being one. So
2: that that would be the positive for it. But But, you were probably going to win something with that thing. You were killing it.
0: (laughs) I I couldn't believe I got it to run 990. I was having a fall. So I, was, I couldn't see the, the lights. I could neither. I couldn't. I did not think I could get a light on it. But yeah, it was. Uh, it
2: was, I it was a turbo together. car. It was a turbo car to staging it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, but no, I I I thought like I said that thought crossed my mind, and I thought you no, know, maybe maybe that could work. So something to throw around. And like I say, hopefully there's some promoter out there listening who's like I can make that work, and then you and I can go and race and not worry about the headache of putting it on. I'm
2: gonna have to go test that. If it was 9:40, I'm gonna have to go test
0: that. <laughs> we'll go get that dialed in before we commit to it. Okay. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I like uh, the idea. Hey, so you know, if uh, if uh, uh, Bo and, and Dave uh, put that race on at South Georgia and it has 8.90 and 9.90, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna go. I would like to go support, especially Toyota. in March.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go. Yeah, I know that they kicked around. Uh, Eric Bowen had mentioned to us, I think, out there when he came on. that was on the table and I've heard rumor of it, I would absolutely support that or or, or any race of that. that I mean,
2: uh, it's in March, so I'm not doing anything. First of all, (laughs) but uh, I come back in Florida in early March, but I could get ready. But anyway, (laughs) um, I think, uh, you know, if he was worried about it and uh, I'm saying this, uh, I'm saying this because you might hear it. But, uh, you know, if he did a pre-entry thing, you know, that'd be fine with me too, uh, to make him feel better about it or whatever.
0: I don't uh, think that's that hard to sell with this crowd because we're used to that with national. Listening. I don't
2: think so either. Right. Hell, they go to Gainesville, right? Why wouldn't you go to South Georgia, right? Yeah, closer. Especially and, uh, when you can race multiple times at one place. I mean, that
0: was that was the amazing thing about just your event, and, and I know that uh, you know association races across the country offer that that same um, opportunity. But my wife made I we've been to five races this season. And I think she made like 28 runs total. She made 27 runs on the weekend at Stanton. Granted, she ran the bracket <laughs> races too, but I mean, we ran the wheels off of that thing. And legitimately, I think she made 15, 890 runs. Like, I think she spent 14 good. or 15, 890 runs. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, you don't have the opportunity to do that at the, at the races that we took. Absolutely to that's not. That, to that's
2: right. why that part of it. I think that format part of it, and, they, and Mike says it'd be nice if you came for a two-day deal. Well the problem with on the Sunday deal, you got a whole nother big race, but the Friday night deal allows you to get into some money and race and to test. And then I mean I don't think it's a terrible format.
0: No, uh, I don't either I, initially I thought, you know, it'd be nice if we had two days of this after having gone through it. I, I think it was about right. Like the shooter thought it. That's what I stuff. thought. Yeah. That, I, that's I, the
2: same thing I thought. Um uh, you know when you uh, when you're out there uh, now, you got three cars. Uh, you know, when you're out there with four or five at the races and two rigs with all those kids racing, I'm going to be sitting back laughing, of course. But uh, you're going to see that you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and me running three cars at one race at every race, it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah. But this format, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm probably more fortunate than a lot of these guys, but. The response that I got from this race was positive. I'm going to look at all that stuff and and try to improve on it the next time. You know,
0: absolutely. No man, I uh, I appreciate what you put together. I uh, I had a blast doing it. I would love to <laughs> see more races like that. Uh, I'd love to see you put on more races like that. But I'd like to see more in general. So again, I just wanted to have you on to, to kind of explain the thought process behind it and uh, to see me praises a little bit in hopes that again uh, we see more of this stuff in the future. So great work, bro. <laughs> thanks, Luke, and thanks for coming out. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe, and and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way, that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor: tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by
1: broadcasting portions of the sports. From drag racing podcast over the PA on race day. Hi guys, I want to talk to you about our great friends at Manscaped. Now they've just come out with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It's available now in the USA and Canada. And what makes this waterproof trimmer different from all the other trimmers, you ask? It's a 7,000 RPM trimmer. I guess 7,000 RPMs. We love RPMs, and this is turning 7,000 of them. That's a well-tuned small-block Chevrolet. Luke, Luke, I would love to mash the loud pedal on this Lawnmower 4.0, and I might do it after a while, as a matter of fact. And it features skin-safe technology, guys. This keeps your package in check, and it's helped reduce manscaping accidents around the world. Less trips to the emergency room if you get the 7,000 RPM Lawnmower 4.0. I love investing in the best new technology and advancement, and I'm blown away by the performance. But the craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are simply next level. Now, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and their brand-new shaving tools are just dropped right in time for Father's Day. So do that father a favor, and even if somebody's about to be a father, just go ahead and get it out of the way. Go to Manscaped.com, put in promo code Jed, that's J-E-D, and you get 20% off. With free shipping. That's 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use promo code JED. It's dad bod season and it's time to get smooth. Do that dad a favor and go to manscaped.com and get some product.
0: Reasons to use BTE tune-up services. Number
1: one, quick
0: turnaround time. You won't be out of commission for half the season while you're waiting on your parts. Number two, unparalleled customer service and responsive communication. Reason number three, all brands of parts are accepted. It's not like they just work on BTE parts. Number four, BTE offers freight shipping discounts. They are located in the shipping capital of the United States near Memphis, Tennessee. And number five, reason to use BTE tune-up services? Quality work from knowledgeable technicians helps your system achieve peak performance.
2: Where does performance come from? jegs.com 50 years of winning gives you the racer's edge get the top name brand performance parts and accessories at the lowest prices every
0: day and get same day shipping when it comes to parts you'll find the smarts at jegs.com Jegs. right, joining me now as she does from time to time here on the sportsman drag racing podcast are this is bracket Racing.com team member and the brainchild and the one that does all the work um, behind the this is bracket Racing.com driver series miss Ashley Thompson Ashley it's good to see you how are you
3: good how are you
0: good honored to uh, to have you back on and talk a little bit of driver series it's been a couple of months since we had an update and I guess we'll start off with uh, some pretty big news the every track now involved in the 2021 driver series has started their points earning season correct
3: yep all of them have started.
0: Okay, so everybody started. So that means that if you haven't signed up, sorry, it's too late, right? Everything's done. We've got our sign for this year. The positive to that, Ashley, we have had overwhelming interest in this series. How many racers have signed up in 2021?
3: We are at like a little over 470.
0: 470 racers nationwide or continent-wide that yeah. we... This is, this is really, I think this is cool. It's rewarding for me. I can't imagine how it feels on your end to have, to watch this idea develop and, and put this emphasis on supporting local grassroots bracket racing at venues literally all across the continent and to have the racers really resonate and say, yes, we want something like this.
3: Yeah, it has blown my expectations out of the water. Um, even all the tracks that have came forward and were like, we want to be a part of this. Um, and I wish I could you know, have them all participate. Um, but And hopefully next year we will expand again. It's just a lot of work on my part um, still being a full-time student. So um, with that being said, I guess I'll go into like, a little update of how points are going. Um, yeah, we so. can
0: we can dive into that. I think first we need to, to tell everybody how what we're gonna do with this extra money because oh, yeah. honestly, the, the coming into this, you probably remember this conversation better than I do. Actually, like you had a pretty um, you had a pretty hard sell for me. And they're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna guarantee ten thousand dollars to the national champion in two categories, right? So. Luke you're on the hook for 20 grand and I'm like Whoo. <laughs> all right so uh, and here it is like $10,000 to win in uh, top bulb $10,000 to win in bottom bulb we committed to that and really with the expectation that honestly I looked at at least a portion of this if not most of this as a marketing expense like well this is an an, an opportunity to get this is in front of local weekly bracket racers at various venues across the country. And uh, and if that costs a little bit of money, then that costs a little bit of money. And it's an opportunity to support, you know, local bracket racing, which is where I started, where probably everyone listening to this podcast, you know, cut their teeth and learned how to race and, and many of us still do on a on a weekly if not you know routine basis. What I didn't anticipate was that we'd have 470 plus racers sign up. And you can quickly do the math for 70 times $50 And we've not only paid the purse, like there's money left over. Well, it was never our intention to profit off of this, right? Right. So we're gonna roll some money back into the purse. Here's what we're gonna do. We had a little bit under $4,000 in excess, okay? The way that we laid this out, it's pretty exciting, right? $10,000 to win in each class, but there was no payback. Like, there was just one champion. So rather than making one person a whole lot happier, Um, are are a little bit happier. Like, one person's going to be ecstatic no matter what, right? They won 10 grand. Two people, I guess, bottom bulb and top bulb. Um, We decided to spread the wealth a little bit. So what we're going to do is each of the top five finishers in each class, so that's two through five, we'll get $500 cash in addition to that $10,000 for the champion. As if that weren't enough, Ashley, our friends at JEGS, we told them about this program. Obviously, it's right up their alley. They want to be involved. They've supported um, sportsman bracket racing and grassroots bracket racing for as long as we can remember. They raised their hand and said, "Hey, we're in too." So, tell us a little bit about what Jags is doing on top of now this what twenty four thousand dollars plus purse that that we put together.
3: Yeah. So Jags has committed to five thousand dollars worth of gift certificates. So that means for spots seven or six through 10, um, you guys will each be getting for both classes, um, a $500 gift certificate to Jigs.
0: Awesome, awesome stuff! Thanks to Woody, thanks to the Coughlin family at Jegs for their support. Uh, you guys listening and competing in the Driver Series, be sure to reciprocate that. They're obviously making a big investment in uh, in this, and it's just a small piece of of what they invest in sportsman racing in general. But to reiterate, um, in both classes, top bulb and bottom bulb, the 2021, this is bracketracing.com Driver Series. Each champion, ten thousand dollars cash. Second through fifth in each category, $500 cash. Sixth through tenth each category, a $500 JEGS gift certificate. We've gone from making two racers ecstatic to making 20 racers pretty freaking happy. How's it feel, Ashley?
3: It feels great. I honestly could never have imagined, um, you know, having... 10 people you know get um like a good prize I mean $500 isn't nothing you get your entry fee plus a bunch more back so um it feels pretty awesome
0: yeah I mean it's not like we're given 10th place a gift certificate for a muffler bearing you know I mean like you're actually going to use this stuff who couldn't $500 at jegs for the vast majority of us might as well be $500 cash right
3: right yeah we definitely spend that much <laughs> and more um at Jag. so <laughs> yeah. i can
0: certainly attest to that all right so with that in mind we know what these competitors are racing for and competing for and uh, Obviously, at this point, the the competition has varied. Some tracks have gotten in one single race. Some tracks have gotten in four or five of their, of their eight at this point. Bring us up to speed. Who's doing well? Who's making noise? I know it's very early, but who are the favorites?
3: Yeah, it's very early. Um, and I just want to preface this by saying there's still so much more time. Um, so in bottom bowl, Brad Hawk with... Sub 200 points. He's at 199. They've had all their races at Tucson, uh, or not all, but five. They haven't had any rainouts, nothing. Um, so it may look a little intimidating, but keep in mind that we take your best six out of eight. Um, and underneath that, I mean, there's 10 plus people who are within, you know, 20, 30 points, you know, so that's two, three rounds. Um, so there's still tons of time um you know lots of tracks have had rainouts uh so yeah and then in top bulb we have Brandon Davis out of um Virginia Motorsports Park who has taken the lead but only by four points so like i said there's still so much time um and again for top bulb there's you know 20 of you guys who are within like four rounds of each other so it'll be close i think which i'm excited for i I didn't want there to be somebody that just blew it out of the water i wanted it to be close i wanted you know to see a few people up there you know battling it out
0: i think given the the way that you set up the point structure the amount of tracks involved and the amount of racers involved i would be shocked if it doesn't come down to the last weekend like i don't your best six out of eight it's hard for me to to envision someone just running away with either category um and to your point i was thumbing through and looking at the the current point standings this morning and again it's very early and some tracks have just are just barely getting started um but the top ball at this point does look wide open you know i mean you've got you mentioned brandon davis from virginia leading uh ryan schaefer from woodburn i see that he's won two events which is phenomenal they were both relatively short round events so like i think there were five round wins so that leaves a little bit on the table it's not like he went through eight rounds of competition on each day right and, and points accrue per win light and then the two that really stood out to me were a couple of racers from new media uh, i think they've only gotten two racers two races into this point but dalton rolls has a win and a i think a sixth round loss mark Ernest has a win and a, a third round loss so Again, six out of eight, everything's wide open, and that's only two races out of the six that you'll ultimately claim, but I thought that both of those guys are in in pretty good position starting off.
3: Yeah, for sure, and, um, you know, on the flip side of that, I've seen racers who have won the first day and gotten 73 points, and then, you know, the next day, they lost first round. So, you know, you never know. Just keep working at it. Um, You know, don't give up.
0: Yeah, no, at this point, if you've been to two races and haven't been out of second round, it's... It's uh, it's definitely – the leaders are not out of reach. And the way – having been a part of multiple points chases on various levels, like it, the way that it starts ain't always the way that it finishes, right? When I was looking at, at Bottom Ball, I think your point rang true, Ashley, in that um, to this point, which is, is typical early in the season or early in a, in a points chase, the top five was littered with racers from two racetracks, right? It was all either Tucson or um, – Bremerton, right in the in the top five. I think we had three Tucson racers, two Bremerton racers, which is a result of two things. They've both had a few races, and those five racers have been really dominant thus far. You mentioned Brad Hawk. Out of the five events at Tucson, he's won three of them, right? So pretty impressive score that he's putting together. As you've mentioned, it looks uh, it looks enormous on paper. Um, I don't. It's far from over, certainly. We've got Joe Kidd and Chuck Hawk, that's Brad's father, uh, also in the top five from Tucson. From Bremerton, uh, Brian McGinnis, two wins in both seven-round races in just the two races that he's been to. So that you can't start better than that, right? Right. And then also our reigning champ, Kit Poole, Kit Poole uh, rounds out the top five with a win and a runner-up in his first two events. Yep. I was amazed looking. It's fun for me. Um, it's probably um, more daunting on your end because, you know, you actually keep up with this as the, as the signups come in and now tracking points, which I can only imagine is, is a ton of work. Uh, kudos to you from everyone listening and everyone involved. Um, but I, I think it's neat to kind of skim through the top of the point standings and just see the names, like particularly in the bottom bulb class. I just mentioned the top five. Those are all pretty recognizable names. And you just scroll down, like Chucky Weir's in a really good spot with one win at Ardmore. Chucky's a guy that I grew up racing with. He's multi-time Division Four champion, really talented racer. And there was just some really like big names in the top 10 or 20. I saw Benny Gossett on there, Brock Moser from up in the Northeast, Troy Ross from uh, the Kansas area. Like, it's uh, it's neat to see, and it's going to be so fun to track not only those racers but also the racers that I'm not as familiar with, that, that I've never heard of, that are going to make a splash in this. Like that's it, what this type of series is ultimately all about.
3: Yeah, and like I said, I I thought it was going to be cool to make these grassroots racers um, kind of household names in a sense. Um, you know, they're winning ten grand. That's not you know jump change by any means um and they're going to be a national champion so yeah it's pretty cool
0: and they're going to be podcast famous i mean we're going to have them on here it can't get any better than that
3: <laughs> right uh,
0: if you are competing in the this is bracket driver series or you're just interested like if you nerd out on the points like i do some of you I get messages all the time I, I laugh when I break down NHRA points I'm like that was for our two listeners that care and I get messages all the time like I'm one of those guys that nerds out on points well if you want to nerd out on points for the this is bracket Racing.com driver series you can find it online on the website and as as uh, Ashley and Jordan Pratt also do a what is that it would be bi-monthly, right? It's like every other week you guys go live you on know, the Facebook page.
3: We try, it's hard, you know, with schedules and whatnot, but sure. we try to go on as much as possible. We did go live um on Wednesday. Um so and we kind of teased, you know, the $500 to um, you know, spots two through five, and then the gift certificates to six through 10. So we teased that a little bit, um, but we wanted you guys to wait <laughs> until it aired on the podcast.
0: Oh, this is the big announcement. All
3: right. Yeah, this is it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. Um, Ashley, for, for those that want um, to dive a little bit deeper on the driver series that want to follow along with uh, with what you and Jordan are doing on Facebook Live, where can they find that stuff?
3: Yeah, so on Facebook, it is um, the This Is Bracket Racing driver series um we also share it to the this is bracket racing uh page as well and then for points you can go to this is bracket racing.com slash driver series um to get the whole points breakdown and um standings
0: awesome all 472 of them see your name on the website
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Great stuff. Ashley, thank you again for all of the work that you have put into this. Um, it has been fun to watch it come together. It's been gratifying on my end to watch you uh, take this on and succeed at the level that you have. So I hope you would have uh, enjoyed it as much as we have. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, it's always good to see you.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, guys. That's it. This is bracketracing.com driver series. Thanks to ashley thanks to rock haas today's guests uh, again if you're listening to this on friday today is the last day for this is bracket racing elite open enrollment so check that out at this is slash elite thanks for listening no shouts today no jed no fun stuff we'll be back again next week
3: and uh thanks to jegs for the sponsorship
0: and- oh good call, good call. We've, <laughs> we've actually got our first jegs um drops on this podcast so you're hearing that again support the the companies that support you within the this is bracket racing.com driver series and on the podcast thanks for that catch ashley <laughs> if you know then you know you know, then you know. <laughs> Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are long-time instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect. Led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal, in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. For a limited time, learn more at thisisbracketracing.com elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.